Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Gasman. With me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Joseph. So this is an interesting week because um, basically what we've been doing and seeing, and effectively it's a continuation of the last couple of weeks, is growth momentum slide and central banks, particularly DM central banks, continue to pivot for tightening. So I think the, you know, the basic call here, and this is what we should go over, is the idea that the, the growth slowdown, while real and uh, likely to be quite significant uh, in terms of lowering the first quarter, is not the signal of what the year ahead looks like. But the actions of central banks and what's driving them is a significant signal and does point to a, a fairly substantial adjustment that lies ahead. So let's go through this first talking about growth, Joe. Um, really, momentum is starting to swing here to the downward side, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. And I think the key question is how much of the slowing is just an inevitability after what is looking to be like a very strong uh, fourth quarter. Uh, admittedly, even that's being pared back a little bit. But, you know, 4Q is going to be a very strong quarter. So, of course, you're going to see a sharp slowing into the first quarter. Then you've got a sense of some uh, Omicron hit that is built in. And then the question is, is this going to be more tempered relative to past waves? Or is it going to be something that is going to be equal to past waves? Or is it going to be worse, particularly in a world where we feel like you know, last year, uh, at least the U.S. got bailed out by a huge fiscal package. And if anything, that's moving in the opposite direction, as it now looks like the um, uh, the, the child tax credit uh, is, is not going to be in place. So you put all that together with a very fast moving virus that's going to concentrate the hit a bit more. And, you know, we're looking at the first quarter of uh, GDP, which could be the weakest of the expansion. So the question is, how much of that is signal and how much of that is noise for the rest of the year? Yeah, that is the question. Um, and, and certainly we're seeing the broadening, the more synchronized nature of this uh, as we watch our alt data, our high frequency data. Uh, certainly the U.S. consumer looks like it's weakening as we turn in the year, but in some ways, our attention is 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 now uh, focusing uh, on Asia, where we have still relatively limited uh, adjustments in our growth forecasts, and are still looking for some pretty strong numbers in Q. And we've already lowered the U.S. down to one and a half, and we've got Europe, Western Europe, at about two. That those may not be enough, but at least there's a, a substantial drag that's built into those forecasts. But Asia, we're still in the early stages, although. This week, we did start to make some adjustments, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, you know, we made adjustments in the in the fourth quarter to Japan and India, but also making some kind of changes across the rest of the region a little bit in the in the first quarter. I think you, you, I would still characterize things as risk to the downside, particularly, um, you know, starting not particularly, but starting in China just because it's a big player. Next week, we will be getting the the data for December. Um, I think, you know, January is re really when we're going to start to worry about things. We're heading into the Lunar New Year. We're heading into the Winter Olympics. And I think policymakers there 
um, despite all the talk of maybe us feeling like they would move away from some of the zero tolerance policies, I'm not seeing any of that there. And I think, you know, partly related to concerns around Lunar New Year and Olympics that these these policies are still in place and that could really be disruptive for for growth in China. It could be disruptive for uh, supply chains and we could be right back to where we were. So, yeah, I think the risks are to the downside across the region still. So we started this by saying that that downshift in growth was not the signal for the year as a whole. Um, as we're watching the the data weaken, as we're worrying about Asian growth here, uh, specifically China, what is it that gives us the comfort that we can look past this and see a year ahead that that actually has, at least in our forecast, some pretty pretty strong numbers across the globe. Right. So here's the thing. I mean, the, the big headwind that we're talking about right now is this uh, is this virus hit, the, the Omicron. And that is something, if that's the only thing we're talking about, I think there's, um, I guess you never say anything with 100% certainty, but of course, you know, it feels like this is going to be very fast moving. And once we move past this wave, you move yourself into the into the remainder of the year and the fundamentals are still quite strong. So if this is what we're talking about, as, as being a uh, as an Omicron drag, that's going to lift and you've got strong fundamentals. And you, not only are you just going to kind of normalize, but you'll probably have some payback, particularly in, in sectors like autos, which were already starting to, to, to perk up as we move through the fourth quarter. The things that I would say I'm worried about, and I, I, I this kind of gets to the teasing signal from noise, you know, you do have issues around inflation, which is how much of that is transitory versus how much are we kind of working ourselves into more of an inflation problem that then forces central banks to start normalizing perhaps a bit more quickly than they, they would have hoped. And that becomes more of a, I don't want to say structural, but more of a medium term headwind that I think we would have to grapple with a little bit more in what is otherwise a fairly robust forecast for this year. Well, I think on the central bank side in the developed markets, there's obviously been uh, persistent upside surprises in inflation. But perhaps the bigger news that we've been seeing is how quickly labor markets seem to be returning to pre-crisis uh, norms in terms of labor markets getting tight. And we know that as we entered this crisis, uh, labor markets felt pretty, pretty tight. So the idea that the U.S., has moved down two percentage points in the last six months on its unemployment rate. The euro area has moved down one percentage point. Uh, the euro area is actually, unemployment rate is actually as low as it's been any time uh, since monetary union has started. Um, you know, these are pretty rapid moves. They're fairly broad across the developed market economy. And that, that obviously is a key factor here in terms of why we're also seeing a fairly broad shifting, a pivot, you might want to call it, uh, towards earlier normalization in the DM. Um, how far do we think that's going to go here? Well, I think it's got a lot more kind of, we're, we're just talking about liftoff now. Yeah, we haven't even started liftoff. And so I think it's, you know, arguably if you were just dropped on this planet and you'd look at the state of the labor market, uh, you look at the state of kind of measured output gaps, um, you'd look at a forecast for growth, you'd look at where inflation is, you would say, you know, these guys should be pretty close to neutral on on monetary policy. Now, this becomes very circular. Some of the growth and the healing has been done because of easy monetary policy. So you don't want to rip the Band-Aid off quickly. But there's no doubt that 
that these economies have gotten back to some semblance of, of normalcy a lot quicker than we were looking for certainly a year ago, even six months ago, maybe even three months ago, if you were just looking at the unemployment rate in the U.S. I think the only thing that you would worry about are some of these other issues around the lack of labor supply that's giving you that tightness in the labor market. And there is this hope of running a high-pressure labor market, a high-pressure economy to pull back in labor supply. Uh, but with inflation running as high as it is, which contrasts with the past cycle where you know Chairwoman Yellen was running that experiment, it's just a, it's just a harder gamble to take, which is why I think we're just moving a lot more quickly on rates and, by the way, moving more quickly on balance sheets than we did uh, or we think moving more quickly on balance sheets than we did in the last uh, last cycle. Yeah, so just to put the time frame here, uh, we do now expect the Bank of Canada to tighten before the end of this month. And then as we move through February, March, we have a number of central banks, obviously the Fed, the most important one, um, but the Fed, the Bank of England, the Norgesbank, and the um, RBNZ in New Zealand, uh, all uh, raising policy rates. Even the ECB, we're starting to get a little more, um, I don't know. Well, this is, this is what I've been talking about for a while, that I said, they're going to they're gonna join this game. And, and lo and behold, this week, we finally pulled that forward to uh, early uh, 23 now. So we're, we're definitely making the move there. And not surprisingly, the euro has kind of been moving up a little bit uh, in response to that. Yeah. So let's um, end it here. Uh, next week, we do get important China data, as you've mentioned. And uh, the I think the news there, we're expecting to be reasonably positive in terms of what we get for the month of December and for the fourth quarter. But again, as, as noted, the China uh, first quarter story is seriously uh, at risk around these Omicron drags and the uh, uh, the policies that the government's likely to put in place in response to that. And that is, of course, part of this broader uh, issue around momentum swinging more sharply uh, globally. So we'll leave it there. Thanks, everybody. Hope we can continue the conversation next week on JP Morgan TV.